there is so much to thank God for uh, as we celebrate the 11th anniversary of the founding of the Church City PC, Puchong. Uh, I want to mention before we, uh, before I read the word or the, the passage that I'm going to preach today, I'd like to thank a few people uh, take this opportunity to do so. The original seven families uh, that started the church, uh, they are still, three are still with us. Um, Elvin and Fern and Andrew, I appreciate uh, friendship. Uh, the time that we spent together, uh, not just 11 years, but stretch far back uh, beyond these 11 years. Uh, you have been faithful. Thank God for you. And Elder Hanming and Doris uh, and your children, uh, Lee Sin, Lee Yen, Leroy, and Lee Yi. Uh, so the family members are still with us. Uh, we have others who have gone, gone on to do other things. We have uh, uh, Pastor Ian and Elder Phil Dihart and their family members planted the church in Kuala Lumpur from CDPC Buchong. And then you have uh, the bivocational pastor, Pastor David. Uh, the family have, because of work, moved to Auckland. Uh, and uh, Pastor Keho and Chi Chui and Ben joined us much later. Uh, they have also gone on to other ministry. Uh, we have uh, Stephen. Stephen Tan and, uh, and Jay and the children. Uh, so thank, thankful uh, for the years they have been with us. Uh, they are not, not, uh, not with us uh, uh, over, uh, over some years already. I think the church not just comprising of the core team members that started the church. From time to time, the Lord has brought in different people. We're so thankful for Dr. Leong Kien Folk and Mui Gek. God has brought them here. Uh, as a church, we have benefited uh, from their uh, teaching ministry. We're thankful to God for that. As I said, the church not just comprising of the core people, a core team, but from different time, God has given to us different people. So you have the uh, partnership with the Asian Crescent, uh, the Presbyterian Church of America, uh, Pastor Micah and Blair and the children, uh, Sandy and Mandy and their children also join us. Of course, we have many, as I said, many members, people like Anna, I've known her way back in Batu Pahan. Uh, she's also with us contributing. Uh, so I'm deeply thankful for the friendship and many people I would not be able to mention one by one names here. My life is greatly enriched as a pastor because of all of you. Uh, you taught me what it means to belong to a church community. My life is richer. But most of all, I want to thank also Constance. I think many of you have known her. She contributed much and she's always behind, working behind the scene. Uh, 
doing the children's ministry, supporting in many, many ways, uh, even food and beverage. She herself uh, was trained in the Bible college. We were in the same class. She's a good teacher. But now uh, she's physically very weak because of Parkinson's disease that ravaged her body. Uh, I'm always very, very grateful, thankful for all the years of partnership and the love that she has shown me. And of course, I want to mention Sarah and Sam too. Uh, the Lord has blessed me with these two children. Uh, thank you for standing by, standing with your dad and serving faithfully. So let's uh, <clears throat> go into the word later in the family time, we can say much more. And of course, thank you, uh, Shirley and Hannah for putting the video helping us to see the church community during the pandemic, uh, how the Lord has still kept us together. We are greatly thankful. Okay, can I read the passage? Okay, today's passage is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Um, last week, we have heard... Uh, Dr. Leong Tian Fook uh, preached on the Sermon of Peter, uh, helping us to see how the earlier sermon uh, Pastor Micah preached on the day of the Pentecost when uh, Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit and uh, in fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And God exalted Jesus as Lord and Messiah. Uh, what the people... Uh, killed and murdered Jesus, thereby fulfilling the very plan of God. In fact, it was the, the predetermined plan of God that Jesus would be crucified and for the salvation of the world. And today we look at how the Holy Spirit, when the people, uh, those who heard the sermon, heard the, go uh, the gospel and were convicted, 3,000 of them, and they were baptized, uh, baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Spiritually, they were incorporated in the body of Christ. But physically, they, we see the expression of the body of Christ in the formation of the first church. And we are doing a reading Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Uh, to look at the characteristics of the first church uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and we see the manifestation of the characteristic of their shared life together in a community. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with all and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were 
being saved. Now what we have here, uh, Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47, that describes a portrait of the first Christian community. Now some writers or scholars say it's an idealized portrait of the first Christian community. It is almost like a perfect picture of what a church should be and a church that I would say that most of us would like to belong to. Now, Luke was describing what happened to these new believers after their conversion. As you recall, 3,000 people were added to the church. They heard the gospel preached by Peter and they were, con they were convicted that Jesus is the Messiah and Lord. They believed, repented, and were baptized. Of course, baptized here refer to water baptism, but also they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptized them with the Holy Spirit and therefore they were converted and, and born again and regenerated. He was, Luke was giving a summary of what happened after the Pentecost. We do not know how long the time had lapsed after their conversion, uh, but we do see how they were organized and formed into the church. Not a mega church, but I think it is, they were brought into the house churches in Jerusalem. But the, many house churches in Jerusalem were called as a Jerusalem church. Thus we have the first church was formed. Uh, after the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on those who believed the message of the gospel and repented. <clears throat> Therefore, we know that those who are incorporated into the church must be people who have received the gospel, repented, and are baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit and incorporated into his body spiritually so to speak and then the fiscal expression the incorporation into the local church now luke describes the characteristics of the spirit empowered community in verses 42 to 47 every church that comprising of members of people who have repented who have received the gospel repented and baptized uh the Spirit, they constitute the spirit-filled community or spirit-empowered community. Uh, Liu went on to describe their shared life together, how they, they live their life together as a community. I believe that Liu wants his readers, of course, he was writing to Theophilus, but the Book of Acts is also meant for the Christians in the early century to read. He wants his readers to know the pivotal role of the church in the mission of God. Uh, that is his intention. Uh, we know the theme, one of the themes, one of the main themes of the Book of Acts is the role of the church in the mission of God. Uh, uh, 
the, the, the pivotal role of the church in the mission of God. That is how the Holy Spirit will empower the church, including the apostles <coughs> and disciples, to bring the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the world. And Luke wants us to see a picture of the spirit-transformed church community and the resulting effect of such a community. Now, every church can be like the Jerusalem church. Every church, including our own, can be like the Jerusalem church. Now, as you listen to the sermon, as you read the word, as Luke described the characteristic of the Jerusalem church, I want you to also begin to reflect and think uh, what are some of the characteristics as described here in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47? These characteristics are present in CDPC Puchong, or whether they are present in one way or another, or they are absent. I'd like you to reflect on that. Um, now, we know that the, these 3,000 believers, including uh, the 120 original believers, apostles and the other and the disciples they constitute the jerusalem church or the house churches however we are not told how the apostles organized the church community acts did not describe in chapter 2 how the apostles organized the church community but we do know that they were meeting in the temple courts every day chapter 2 verse 46 they were meeting in the temple courts every day now, I've been to uh, Jerusalem uh, and visited the place. The temple courts are a very big place. Uh, I think the few thousand people can be there. So probably they have a large gathering. But they were also meeting in homes. Chapter 2, verse 46, that say that they were breaking bread and eating from, uh, from home to home. Luke described how the believer live as a community. Now, he did show what the church community looked like when believers were empowered by the Holy Spirit. In that sense, what Luke portrayed the idealized a church community, a portrait of, a, of a, a church. This first church, to me, became a benchmark for what a spirit-empowered church looks like. Now, of course, this characteristic of their shared life in the community uh, were repeated in the book of Acts and also reflected in the New Testament epistles. Uh, I've taught in the, uh, in the class about how to interpret the episodes, to differentiate between what is prescriptive and what is descriptive. What is prescriptive become the norm. Uh, here is not prescriptive. Luke is not prescribing. However, descriptive passage, although it is not a norm, but if the things that are described are repeated, the patterns are repeated in the New Testament epistles or mandated or taught in the New Testament epistles. 
they become the norm. Uh, if you look at later the characteristics uh, of their shared life in the community were repeated in the book of Acts, but also reflected in the New Testament episodes. Uh, therefore, I think uh, the characteristics described here has become the norm, except the one that they were selling their possession. I do not think that Luke is mandating Christian to sell their possessions. I think uh, the Book of Acts, as well as the episode, still talk about private or individual ownership. It is, in fact, in Acts chapter five, when Ananias and Sapphira sold their 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 property, but they lied uh, to the Holy Spirit, and Peter say that uh, isn't that when you sold the thing, uh, it still belong to you, but why is it that you lied to the Holy Spirit? You kept back some of the money and then pretended as if that you are given all the, all the money. Uh, three out of the characteristics described there are to be the norm. But even the selling of the property is not mandated, but uh, the uh, things that are uh, said in that verse, I think later I'm going to show that it is also something that Luke emphasized. Now the questions before us, I'd like you to think is that does the Holy Spirit still create such a community? Do you think the Holy Spirit still creates such a community? The Spirit power, empowered community to fulfill the mission of God, that is to bring the gospel to the ends of the world, to be the witnesses of Jesus. Do you think the Holy Spirit still creates such a community? Let's look at their shared life together. Uh, look at the four characteristics of the first uh, century church, the early century church. The characteristics of the spirit-empowered community for God's mission. The first characteristic is that we read in verse 42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They referring to the 3,000 uh, people who were added uh, to the original 120 believers. They were found in the many house churches in Jerusalem. But they were devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which implies several things. Number one, they submitted themselves to the spiritual authority of the apostles. They recognized that the apostles have spiritual authority over them and they would want to sit under the teaching ministry of the apostles. And of course, later on, when we read the book of Acts, it evolved. We can see elders were being appointed. They were given the role to teach. And then you have uh, deacons who were being appointed to look into diaconal ministry, how the uh, church, early century church, were organized. Uh, so in a sense that uh, the pastors are elders and you have teaching elders whereby you have to ask yourself the questions that do you devote yourself to the, to the teaching ministry of the elders? Because the apostolic teaching or the apostles' doctrine, apostolic doctrines have been now recorded and uh, found in the New Testament. Uh, in the New Testament. Uh, 
so as the elders and the pastors now preaching the word of God, they are preaching the apostolic doctrines. So do you submit yourself to the spiritual authority that God has appointed? <clears throat> These believers were willing to be taught by the apostles whom they view as their spiritual leaders. Now, Luke did not tell us much about what uh, the apostles teach them. What were, they, what were the new believers taught? Uh, Luke did not tell us. Probably, I think the apostles taught them uh, Jesus saying, or the teaching of Jesus that they have heard so much, the original uh, 11 apostles, uh, one already committed suicide, uh, uh, Judas, and then they have added one more uh, and then you, uh, you have the apostles who were with Jesus. They were taught by Jesus. Uh, primarily centered on the, on the message of the kingdom of God. In fact, if you look at Acts chapter 1 verse 3, after the uh, resurrection of Jesus, Jesus spent 40 days with them, still teaching them about the kingdom of God. So the message of the kingdom of God is central. And the apostles were teaching the new believers about the kingdom of God, the message about the kingdom of God <clears throat> and what they have received the teaching from Jesus. They also taught them uh, in the Old Testament because at that time, the apostles have not written uh, uh, the New Testament or the, the, it has not been uh, recorded to become the, the New Testament. They taught them what was prophesied <clears throat> in the scriptures <clears throat> concerning Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, ascension, and the parousia, the second coming of Christ. How Jesus fulfilled the scripture concerning the prophecy of his death and resurrection. And of course, the apostles also taught them much more. And the devotion is simply mean they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine to be constantly diligent. Now, way back, uh, when I was studying in Singapore, I went to look at a church uh, when uh, uh, a, a, a young pastor who first started the church in Singapore. And his church is known as uh, uh, the students were very devoted to the, to the preaching ministry of the pastor. When you, when you, I was really impressed when to, to see the, the students, in fact, uh, the church comprising of many students, they actually open their Bible. Everyone bring their Bible. They have an exercise book or notebook, and they were writing, some with a computer typing. They were extremely serious about studying the Word of God. You can see they like drinking in the Word of God, drinking in the Word of God. I cannot imagine that we come to church, we don't have a Bible, either electronic form or in a physical form. Uh, we don't write, we're not, I don't know how serious we are, but we are serious, you can see in two things, that you are studying and with a view to apply the word of God. And secondly, your attendance, both in the Sunday worship, listening to the word of God, and also joining the covenant group, or in a small Bible study group, steadfastly, week after week, month after month, year after year, will reflect your devotion. And this is a picture of the 3,000 
people who were added to the church, <clears throat> we are told they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostolic doctrines will help us to grow spiritually, to become matured in Christ. The second characteristic of the spirit-empowered church for God's mission is their devotion to fellowship. Now, if you look at verse 42, of course, in English, I'm not so sure whether uh, I can make it up to be, but in Greek, you know that <clears throat> this word devoted is also applied to the, to the whole sentence. It not only devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching, but they also devoted themselves to fellowship. To, the, to fellowship. Now, this is a word I think many of you know the, the word fellowship. People use the Greek word. You heard the preaching. Uh, the word fellowship mean, in English mean, in Greek mean koinonia. Koinonia is a very, very common word that uh, most Christians understand. Uh, it refers to fellowship. Now, this is a word that Luke used to emphasize the devotion uh, to the shared life together. Uh, I want to emphasize the word together. In fact, Luke actually emphasized the word together. You look at verse 44. Uh, verse 44, uh, verse 44 say that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were together. Uh, and then in verse 46, it said, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were together receiving the, the apostolic uh, teaching, apostles' teaching. And then in the second half of verse 46, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They ate together. You see the word together. Their devotion to fellowship. Fellowship means being together. Do you like to be together? Uh, you might want to write in the chat. Chat, uh, uh, do you miss to be together? You see, the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic has created isolation. <clears throat> During the MCO, we are not allowed to visit homes. <clears throat> do you know how difficult it is to be a <clears throat> lone ranger Christian, <clears throat> not allowed to visit people? not allowed to be together. I'm not sure whether how you, uh, you see your own life. Do you miss the fellowship? All the believers were together. Verse 44 say that they had everything in common. And of course, in verses 32 to 35, uh, chapter 4, uh, it described what it means they had everything together. Now, in chapter 2, verse 45, uh, it says that they sold property and possession to give to everyone had need. <coughs> that is what Luke said, they had everything in common. It means that uh, they shared their possession with anyone who had need. Now, verse 45 to me describes the quality of their fellowship. Today, people think of fellowship, of having fun time, of coming together, playing Scrabble, uh, Makan, you know, having a good time. I think fellowship is much more than, than that. 
the word Spotify describes the quality of their fellowship. I'd like to ask you that, what do you think of the quality of the fellowship that we have in CDPC, even during the pandemic? Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 45, show us the quality of their fellowship. It says that all the believers were one in heart and mind. Uh, you might want to refer to chapter 4, Acts 1, 4, 32 to 35. It's the manifestation of unity. They were with one in heart and mind. And it says that no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Meaning that fellowship is always connotes sharing. <coughs> in fact, the word fellowship means commonness, common. <coughs> they had everything in common. Fellowship, koinonia, always implies sharing. Now, in this chapter 4, verses 32, 35, the fellowship is expressed in the form of sharing money for those with financial needs. As a result of that, it says that with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That is to say that Jesus is real. Jesus is real. He's the Lord. And people express the Lordship of Christ in the way they give away their money and sharing their possession uh, with those in the community with needs. And he said, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that all that there were no needy persons among them. It is really the manifestation of the grace of God that in the community of their shared life together, there is no needy person among them because among them, the rich people sold their possession and began to share that with those in need. And he said, from time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. And he mentioned specifically an individual by the name Barnabas who sold a few he owned and brought the money and put it under the apostles' feet. Chapter 5 began to narrate another couple, another person, uh, in fact, it's a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, also sold a piece of uh, property, but is in contrast to Barnabas. Uh, we won't go into that. I think subsequently we'll preach that. Uh, we see the display of radical generosity, uh, very much like the uh, uh, Macedonian church churches uh, just now, uh, Sister Mac read. Uh, they give out of their poverty, but here the Christian give out of their they are, they, are, they, are, they are being rich. You know, Barnabas got several properties and land. So he sold one of the pieces, one piece of the land. And Sapphira and Ananias also sold one of their properties. But the churches in Macedonian, uh, Macedonian churches give out of their poverty. Not because they, they, the churches were rich. They, they wanted to participate in the, in the, in the, in the grace of giving uh, to the needy. Uh, uh, churches. And so we see the display of radical generosity of many believers in the Jerusalem house churches. Barnabas, Sapphira, and Ananias were just a few that have been highlighted by Luke. I believe there are many more. Now, this is true fellowship. 
This is true fellowship of sharing. They have something to teach us about fellowship. Now, I want to put a caveat here that I just said earlier. Luke is not mandating that every believer is not mandating you to sell your property and bring the money to the church leaders. He was just describing how some of them did that, how the gospel had impacted their lives to the extent that they were willing to part with their possession to care for those who had been meet in their community. It's being described is a descriptive passage. Having said that, although Luke did not mandate, but I think in New Testament, it also teaches of radical generosity. When the gospel impacts us, we will see the expression of radical generosity, whether it is in a form of sharing financial resources or other forms. So fellowship is not just <coughs> confined to eating from home to home. It's not just confined to sharing financial resources. I think it is much more. Uh, they, they, they have fellowship. They were always together, studying together, eating together, helping each other together. How is our fellowship? Take a minute to pause and reflect. How is our fellowship? Of course, when I ask you this, this question, you might become critical and begin to look at other people and criticize them. But what have you contributed to the richness of the fellowship? How have you respond to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the salvation that he has given to you, reconciling you to God and delivered you from the wrath of God and baptized you in the Holy Spirit and giving you a glorious future of the coming of the fullness of his kingdom of God where you will be brought into the new heaven and new earth. How have you been responding to this grace of God? How is our fellowship? What is the quality of our fellowship? What is the quality of our shared life together? Do we like to be together? Do we learn the word of God together? Devote ourselves to the teaching of the pastors and the elders sitting under their feet together? Or the ministry leaders whom God has appointed uh, also to teach us the word of God? Or studying the word of God together as a community? Eating in each other's home or going out and eat together and have fellowship? Do we appreciate or do we appreciate the fellowship that, the, uh, that we have, that we intimately involve in each other's life, doing ministry together in a small group or doing life and sharing life together in the church community? If this is the new covenant community that God has created. If this community is going to last till eternity, into eternity, in the new heaven and new earth, we are going to be together. What would you make a difference here? Look at Acts chapter two and chapter four. It is one form. It is one form of fellowship. Sharing burden, not just financial burden, sharing burden of another's believer is one form of fellowship. Now we are taught in Galatians chapter 6, 
uh, about carrying another person's burden. Uh, uh, of course, that what the passage is talking about, someone caught in sin, and we have to share the burden of restoring the person. We have seen how the early church believers shared the financial burden of other believers. Now, this was just one area Luke described. I think they are much more than just sharing financial burden. What do you do when one among us is suffering? Uh, maybe it's a, it's a sickness. It could be under the uh, stress of work uh, or lost a job, or it could be greatly misunderstood by people and, uh, and, uh, and got, got into depression. Now, when one among us is suffering, we may not be able to alleviate someone's suffering. Bearing or carrying another person's burden does not mean to take away our brother's or sister's pain. Example, severe illness. But it means to hold the other person's up and stand with him or her by encouraging words and prayer. Now, this doesn't cost money. Uh, encouraging words and prayer doesn't cost money. It means the willingness to spend time to serve with concrete actions, <clears throat> with physical help or emotional support. Of course, financial help uh, uh, if needed. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 26 to 26, 7 say that if one member suffers, all members suffered with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And the reason of shared life in the community is given in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and we, each one of you is a part of it. Jesus has baptized us into the body of Christ. And each one of us is a member of this spiritual body of Christ and expressed to the, the, the fiscal uh, uh, church, the local church, Christ has baptized us into his body. And we are to bear each other's burden. And when we bear each other's burden, we have fellowship. So that there is more than one shoulder under the weight of life. We have a shoulder to lean on or we have several shoulders to lean on. We are strengthened by one another and can bear up under the weight of suffering. Now you can reach out by showing that you care and that you love them and you want to know how they are coping with their problems. And I'm thankful that many of our people in the church community, City Pising Puchong, are doing that. And I personally, uh, together with Constance, uh, have that uh, uh, love shown by you. Uh, you have fellowship with us. Now, Christ is the ultimate burden bearer. He's the ultimate burden carrier. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 say that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, you have been healed. For we were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd <coughs> and overseer of your souls. Now, Jesus took the full weight of our sin in our place. Because Christ bore the weight of our sins on the cross, we are therefore healed reconciled to God and to live righteously 
and not in bondage to sin. He bare the burden of our sin by dying on the cross for us so that we can have a new life, new life. And so in the same way as you express your fellowship with the brothers and sisters whom God has shown you and, and convicted you to help, you have true fellowship. You bear the burden of the person and thereby giving the person a new beginning, a new life. So each day, each week, as the body of Christ, we can reach out to others in the church community and in small ways share the burden of life of our brothers and sisters and strengthen one another in the Lord because of what the Lord has done for us. The question is, who are the ones you plan to encourage to bear his burden or her burden? Is there someone the Lord has put in your mind that God wants you to encourage? God wants you to have that kind of true fellowship, doing and sharing life together in the community with Jesus as the center of the community life is called fellowship. Jesus is the Lord of the community and we submit under his Lordship. When we have fellowship with Christ, we have fellowship with one another. We express his Lordship by sharing our life together, by bearing each other's burden. So we have seen the two characteristics of a shared life together of a spirit-empowered community for the mission of God is the devotion to the apostles' teaching and the devotion to fellowship. Third characteristic is that the devotion to breaking bread. He said they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere heart, hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Verses 46 to 47. Now, breaking bread has become a term that is referring to the Lord's Supper. Breaking bread <coughs> has been uh, 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 referring to the Lord's Supper. But the Lord's Supper in the early century church is in the context of agape feast, a love feast in which everyone will bring their food or everyone brought their food. Uh, this could be seen in the, in the Corinthian house church. Uh, if you read 1 Corinthian uh, uh, letter, Paul wrote to the church, uh, you can see in chapter 11, uh, they brought their food and then they celebrated the Lord's Supper. The believers ate together in their homes or from home to home, sharing their food and then they break bread together. They, they broke bread together. They celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It was a joyful time of remembrance of Jesus. Now, during this pandemic or the MCO, do you miss coming together to celebrate the Lord's Supper? The Lord's, when you celebrate the Lord's Supper, it is a special time. We, we go into a time of communion with Jesus, a time of remembering his redemptive work on the cross, a time to know and experience his, his special presence among us, binding our hearts together and to be reminded afresh of what he has done for us on the cross, a time to remember, to be encouraged and to anticipate his coming back to reign. Even in the midst of suffering, we have something to look forward to. It is an occasion of great joy 
to know that we are not alone. We God has baptized us. Jesus baptizes in the body, in His body, and therefore it is an occasion of great joy. It is a great occasion of love and praise. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you belong to such a community that constantly devoted to the breaking of bread and of being reminded of the undying and the, and the deep love of Christ and the love of the community and anticipating the return of Christ to reign and we will be in a new heaven and new earth. Isn't it a wonderful to be reminded uh, time and again? And finally, the fourth characteristic is the devotion to prayer. And this, of course, we see that repeated. This pattern is repeated throughout the book of Acts. They were devoted themselves to prayer. And New Testament teaching also taught about the importance of prayer, that we are to pray unceasingly. Uh, we are to, uh, to bring our petition and our supplication. Uh, I want to say that uh, although we do pray in the breakout rooms, uh, when the church first started, we have about 17 to 20 people uh, coming together to pray every week. Uh, when we, when we uh, I think it's once a month or every week. Uh, uh, no, I think it's, 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 uh, it's uh, coming together to pray often, uh, once a month. Our corporate prayer once a month now is poorly attended. Uh, I hope that uh, when Pastor Micah called us to pray, <clears throat> coming together in a corporate prayer, I think we should come. I think in a Zoom prayer, it doesn't take much effort of you to drive to the, to the physical location. Uh, the corporate prayer is, is important. Uh, the prayer is central to the life of the early church. It revealed their total dependency on, on Christ. The absence of prayer actually reveals something about us as a church community. Do we show our dependence on Jesus. The church is born out of a prayer gathering, uh, the, the early century church. The apostles, we are told, Mary and uh, Jesus' brothers and other women all join together in the upper room, constantly in prayer uh, uh, before the Pentecost. After the Pentecost, they continue to pray. They gather together to pray when facing opposition and persecution. The church pray for God's guidance. And the church pray when the leaders commission person for special service. Uh, send, uh, they send it out to, to do church planting as a, like the church in Antioch. Prayer is, center, is central uh, in, the, in the early century. So we have seen the four characteristics. It will be good for the church leaders as well as the whole church begin to reflect later in a, in a family time. Do all these four characteristics also present in uh, CDPC Puchong community. Our devotion to the apostolic doctrine, our devotion to fellowship, our devotion to breaking of bread and our devotion to prayer. And now we look at the effects of the shared life together, the effects of the spirit empowered church. <clears throat> what happened if you have such a community, say in Puchong? What happened? You have such a, 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 a community that shared their life together so intimately uh, in, a, in a Klang Valley. Uh, the churches begin to manifest these four characteristics. I think Luke did not intend to only confine to these four characteristics. 
But these are the four characteristics that he, he emphasized and showed us a picture, a portrait of the first church that was formed after the day of the Pentecost when Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit. This is what will happen when the Holy Spirit is being poured out unto our lives. And the effects of such a spirit-empowered church, there are two, two things we see described in verse 43. Everyone was filled with all at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, it simply means that uh, the apostles, God is pleased uh, to let the apostles perform wonders and signs. I mean, extraordinary things happen in the community. Uh, extraordinary things happens when you have such a community uh, exalting Christ uh, that everyone, both believers and unbelievers, were filled with all, uh, meaning that they have a reverential respect for God. Uh, they, they honor God. They, they have this sense of fear, a healthy sense of fear. They know that God is in the midst of the community. And as a result, believers enjoying the favor of all the people, verse 47 meaning that the unbelievers look at the community and they spoke well of the community. You know, they enjoy the favor of the people. And secondly, Luke described the continuing growth of the church. He said the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So while we focus, while we focus on uh, evangelistic uh, uh, activities or program, we you know, constantly want to think, what must we do? You know, what must we do uh, to, to see people coming to Christ? We know that here, uh, it is the work of God. God add people to the church. And one of the things is the way how the, the people live together. Witness to Jesus through their shared life together. Uh, this is one aspect. And later on, as you move beyond chapter 2, you see the proclamation of the gospel by the apostles and individual other believers, disciples, bringing the gospel. So you have preaching of the gospel in deeds, in action, in their shared life together, and later on in words. Both are not independent of each other. Uh, so the continuing growth is a result of the kind of community that live before the surrounding culture. Let me end. The sermon by asking us this question. What is God saying to CDPC Puchung today? When I say CDPC Puchung, I mean you. I mean you, including children. I mean you, the youth. I, I mean you, not just the leaders. I mean everyone. Those Jesus who have baptized into his body and now you belong to the, to the church. What is God saying? I want to suggest a few things. Number one, God is building us a community empowered by the Holy Spirit and grounded in the apostolic doctrines, grounded in the sound doctrines, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the apostolic doctrines. God is building the church community empowered by the Holy Spirit and grounded or anchored on the apostolic doctrines. God wants us to be the witnesses of Christ, to, to, to witness to Jesus, 
to the surrounding culture. He places us in the local body of Christ, the church for his purpose. It is for the purpose of God that he brings all of us together. God is not simply dealing with redeemed individuals in isolation. He's not saving you and then leave you alone. He's not simply dealing with individuals in individual Christian in isolation. The implication is that there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. Uh, a, a, a Lone Ranger, there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian who does not want to be involved with the church community. If you say you do not want to be involved in the church community by your own action, either you have been hurt by someone else or by deliberate action on your own, you have actually go against what God's intended purpose. <clears throat> to bring you into a church community to shed your life together for the purpose of God for his mission. So a Lone Ranger Christian is contrary to the purpose of God's redemption, redemptive plan. God saved us. God saved you, regenerated you, and placed you in Puchong in a church community. And we are to share our lives together with all our joy and sorrow through thick and thin and to do the work of God together for his mission. Secondly, Although Luke described the positive aspects of the shed life of the early century church community, he does not hide the weaknesses of this new community. In fact, he mentioned the flaws of the church community in the later chapters of the book of Acts. But here he focuses on the positive aspect of the shed life of the early, early century church community. I believe it's the same uh, for cities, PC Puchong. We do, we do have our flaws and our weaknesses. But our transformed lives seen in sharing financial resources with the needy brothers and sisters, carrying the burden of each other, the joy of constantly meeting in each other's home and in the workplace, celebrating the goodness of Christ, praying constantly, leaning on Christ for his grace and mercy, and doing the, the ministry with zeal and love for the people, and the unity manifested in a common life together. These transformed lives are the best portrait that outsiders can see and be convinced that something extraordinary is taking place, even though they might not believe the gospel we preach. So our transformed lives are the best portraits that the outsider can see and, be, and, and convince that something extraordinary is taking place. And this extraordinary is taking place is the God factor even though they may not believe the gospel, even though they may not believe in the existence of God. And people will ask questions. Our lives, our transformed lives, provoke them to ask questions. How is it possible for them to live this kind of life? And thirdly, I believe that God is saying and telling us that church growth, and once God wants us to know that church growth is the work of God, is his work because Luke attributed the growth of the church to be the work of God. But we know that it was because of the transformed lives of the believers, their shared lives, that perhaps caught the attention of the unbelievers that make the preached gospel believable. Dissension, quarreling, disunity, blatant sinfulness, 
indifference, uncaring attitude, uncaring action, lack of interest and devotion in learning the word of God, lukewarm prayer life in the community, all these will undermine the growth of the church. And finally, something beyond our planning could happen when we are bound together by our shared belief in the gospel, by our shared life together, manifesting uh, the, the, the implication of the gospel. There is living out the implication of the gospel in our home life and work life. And people will be filled with all at the amazing. <coughs> they will feel with all, they will be filled with all at the amazing works of God in our lives. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, we thank you for your word today. Even as we celebrate the 11th anniversary of the founding of our church, our hearts are filled with joy, thankful that you have baptized us into your body and your brothers together to share our lives together. Lord, we do come to you and ask that you continue to build this church community for your mission. The CDPC Puchong will reach out to the surrounding culture, to the surrounding community, the wider community, releasing our financial resources and that we will proclaim the gospel and help us most of all to devote ourselves to the studying of your word, the apostolic doctrine, devote ourselves to fellowship, to the prayer. Lord, we turn to you and ask that you help us uh, to build this community as you build this community through us. So we commit the rest of the time into your hand. Continue to fill our hearts with joy in the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.